fun. If you don't have a Bible, we'll bring it up on the screen, but just kind of putting it out there where we're going to end up in a minute here. Um, I need a little bit of help from you uh, this morning, not all of you, but a couple of you. I have a question for you, and uh, my question is, what are some examples of things that you can't see, but you know that they are real? Things that you can't see, but you know that they are real. Let me give you an example. Gravity. Exactly. You can't see it, but you know it's real. What are some other things that you can see, but um, you can't see, but you know that they're real? Air. Air. Electricity. Wind. They're coming from all places. Where else? How about the back section? Sound. Very good. Germs. Ugh, okay. So last week, um, I uh, shaved off my beard Wednesday night, and I went to bed pretty early, but the next morning I got up, and uh, we're kind of doing our morning routine and with the kids and getting on the, you know, uh, to school and all that kind of stuff, and I, I said to Sarah, Have you, do you notice anything different about me? And she kind of went up and down and said, no, I don't. Now, I'm not going to throw her under the bus here, okay? Um, because uh, my, I, I'm good at seeing, you know, I, I'm a visual person, so I notice things um, where my wife is not as visual, but she is audible. And so if she, were to, if she would ask me, Stephen, did you see so-and-so? Did you notice the look in their eye? You're like, no, didn't see it. Okay, so we all see different things. Um, And so seeing includes our eyes in the physical realm, but there's more going on than what our eyes can see. Our world has an invisible side to it. God is spirit, He is not physical. He's not physical. In fact, he added creation to, he, he added creation, which is the physical, was added to the spiritual. We see things in reverse, right? We see things physical, and then we're like, well, I guess you have a soul, I, maybe. Uh, but that's not really the way it, things function. It goes the other way. The spiritual was first, and then God added the physical. So a few, a few minutes ago, we read that historical account of the third day after Jesus hung on the cross. He rose again. He rose from the grave. And so that was well over 2,000 years ago. And so my question to you is today, what's the date today? I always forget. April 9th of 2029. No, 2023. Very good. And so my question is, what is the resurrected Christ doing now, today? And yes, the historical event is very important, and I'm not minimizing that. That's why we read the passage. But I'm asking the question, what is he doing right now? What is he doing right now? That's true. You guys are taking me off here. 
You're, you're not, I didn't say ticking me off. I said, you're taking me off. You're answering the question. And now I'm like, I'm not sure what to do. That's not in my notes. So no, which is great. That's good. I'm not, I'm just like, that's why I'm like, oh, what am I doing here? So we're going to go to Revelation chapter one, and we're going to answer that question because the truth is Jesus Christ is alive now. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus Christ is alive now. Very good. And so if you look in Revelation chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 5, and we're going to really look at two ways that we, or reasons why we know that he is alive. Here's the first one in verse 5, Revelation 1 verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now we could spend a ton of time on those three things, but we're not. We're going to look at the second part. Listen to this. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So how do we know that Jesus is alive? Because he has freed us from our sins. He's freed us from our sins. So when you think about sin, what is sin? It's really turning from God, right? It's always relational. It's always personal. It's living as though God doesn't exist. Or maybe you know that he exists, but you don't, really don't care. You don't care what he says. You're not concerned about him. I want to do what I want to do. So if you were to put it another way, I think we'd be safe to say that when you live this way, you are not aware of God's presence, which is really what sin is. Let me give you two examples here. When you tell a lie, you think you're avoiding the truth. There's something that you don't like that's true, so you tell a lie to not deal with the truth, right? And you expect to get away with it. Well, if I tell a lie, then I just won't have to deal with the truth, and it'll never come up again, and I can just keep living my life. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work out that way. Because the truth always comes out. It might be decades down the road, or it might even be after you die. But the truth will always come out. Let me give you another example. If your friend gets a new thing, you define the new thing. A new truck, a new iPhone, a new girlfriend or boyfriend, fill in the blank. Whatever the new thing is. And you, you see that and you think, I wish I would have had that. How comes I don't get fill in the blank? God, why didn't you give that to me? I know what that person is like. You know, all the mind conversation. And so when we do that, we are not aware of the presence of God. And so going back to what Jesus says here to John, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. He frees us from our sins. And he gives a little thing here 
The only way you can be freed from your sins, it's not because you ask God, God, will you free me? That, that, that won't do. Horizontally, that could do. You know, I, I hurt you, I'm sorry. Okay, I'll make it better. Oh, we hug and we're, we're good to go. But with God, it doesn't work that way. And so that's why he tells us here, the only way that you can be freed from your sins, he says it three little words, by his blood. The only way that you can find forgiveness is because Jesus Christ died. He spilled his blood. Um, a number of years ago, um, I'll be the first to admit, I hate needles. I don't like pain. Really haven't met anybody who does. Um, but I have O positive blood, which is a, a good blood. And uh, I came to the point where I said, you know what? I don't like the stick of the needle, but surely I can be a big boy and get over the stick of the needle and give something that people need, and that's my blood. And so can you imagine if I was laying on the little table and, you know, the phlebotomist says, okay, here we go, are you ready? And, I'm, and I always wince, you know, really like... And they're always like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, well, you lay down here. Let me stick that needle in your arm, and we'll see how you respond. But could you imagine if the person said, all right, you're ready. Empty them out. Instead of the two being connected to the, the bag, we're just going to run his blood onto the floor. Now, I know that would be gross. How long would it take? for me to die. Not very long, would it? Because life is in your blood. Life is in your blood. And that's the very reason why Jesus Christ had to spill his blood. Because that's what sin requires. And that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here to John. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And if you're here this morning and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've put your faith in Christ, that is refreshing to you, that is good news, but it's also a reminder. No matter how long you've walked with God, your forgiveness of your sins is never based on you. It's always based on Christ. Always. And so we need to be reminded of that because we tend to, we tend to think, well, you know what? It, it's on my shoulders. No, it's not. It's never on your shoulders. Now, you have a responsibility, but it's not on our shoulders. The only way there is forgiveness of your sin is because of Jesus' blood. That's exactly what he's saying here. But maybe some of you this morning, you know, God's, you don't really care about God, or you, maybe someone drug you here this morning. I don't, I don't know where your story is, but you've never come to the place where you have put your faith in Christ. You might be a good person. You might do good deeds. But the truth is, one sin is too many for a holy perfect God. And maybe for you this, for, you know, this morning as 
as, as we're looking at what the Word of God, what, what God says here, and the challenge is to you, have you come to the place where you're willing to be honest with God? Are you willing to look and say, you know what, I, I, I think I understand why Jesus died. I always thought it was for those people. I see that it's for me. And so maybe you're here this morning and right now, you're willing to be honest with God. Right now, you're willing to stop making excuses for your sin, stop putting the blame on someone else, or you're just willing to acknowledge, you know what, if I'm really honest, I know I've blown it. And it cost Jesus Christ his life. And so the good news is, God offers forgiveness. And it's so simple. It's even so simple that you think, that's it? Yes, that's it. The grace of God is a gift. And so putting your faith in Christ really kind of sounds like a prayer. And maybe you're here this morning, you're like, you know what, I, I, I know I need more. And so the prayer could sound something like this. You know what, God, I mean, I recognize that I have sinned. I recognize my sin affects you. But I recognize more than anything, Jesus' blood was spilled for me. And God, the best way I know how, I want to trust in what Jesus Christ has done. And maybe some of you right now are putting your faith in Christ. Well, John gives a second thought here. Because again, we said that Jesus Christ is alive. So I want to ask you a question. Why is it that I can uh, talk to you this morning? It's kind of a theoretical. I'm not looking for answers. I'm just, just answer it in your mind. Why is it that I can talk to you this morning? Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, Christ is risen. Why can you speak to your neighbor? Why can we speak? Because we are alive. Living people can speak, but dead people cannot. And so John is writing here because Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, is speaking to John. But he's also speaking to us because Jesus Christ is alive. And so what he does next here, I'm going to skip a part, but he gives John a vision. He basically pulls the skies back to the Apostle John, and he opens his eyes to see what is really going on in the unseen world. He gives him a vision. And let me read this vision. And you get the point here. Let me read the vision. Then I turn to see the voice that was speaking to me. 
And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Now, there is a lot here in this vision that, John, that Jesus is revealing, and again, Jesus, the resurrected one, is revealing himself uh, to John. This is about 50 years after Jesus went back uh, to heaven. And so in the middle of this, and again, we're, we don't have time to unpack the whole thing. There's a lot there. I encourage you to go back. But here's what I, what I would like to say. He gives a phrase in the middle of this that he says, um, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. John knew what Jesus was saying. See, this wasn't new. If you go back to Daniel chapter 7, God revealed and gave Daniel a vision about the Son of Man, about the Ancient of Days. And in fact, if you read through the two visions, they're almost identical because this wasn't new. Because God was making himself known. Jesus is speaking directly to John. Now think about this. This is John who walked with Jesus for three years. He knew Jesus intimately. He knew his voice. He knew what his voice sounded like. I'm sure you can have examples or think of your own life when, 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 when you recognized a voice. Let me give you an example. On Friday, we had a good... Good Friday service down at the Lutheran church. And uh, the row in front of me, there was a guy sitting like literally, I mean, like right here. I couldn't see his face, but from behind, he was bald, he had glasses, he had a walker, and I don't know who he is. And so we get to the, the last hymn that we're going to sing. And I'm just kind of focusing on the hymn, but in the midst of the words somehow, I caught wind of the voice. And as I heard the voice, I said, that is Bill Saxman. I know Bill Saxman. I know his voice. How many of you know Bill Saxman? A lot of you know Bill Saxman. I recognized his voice. And you know what? That's what is going on in Revelation chapter 1. John knows the resurrected Jesus Christ's voice. He knows his words. My question to us is, do you know Christ's voice? And not physically, but do you know his voice? Are you aware when God is speaking to you? Do you give him your attention? Because God's voice isn't like other voices. He doesn't scream, he whispers. 
And so if you want to hear God's voice, you got to clear the clutter out, or you'll miss it. See, we listen to all kinds of voices, don't we? Outside, inside, on our phones, we listen to all these voices. But there's only one voice that says the truth all the time, and that's Jesus Christ, the resurrected one. And he's the one that is speaking here. And so look what happens. How does John respond to this vision and hearing Jesus' voice? Well, you don't have to wonder. Look in the next verse. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. His response to the glory of Jesus Christ is he can't control himself. He goes down on his face because God is so much greater than we are. And this isn't unusual. Go back to the Bible and there's all kinds of examples of men that come in contact with the glory of God and they all do the same thing. They fall on their faces. I've never seen it, but I've heard. Maybe, maybe you've seen them. Guys that go through uh, uh, police training. And there always has the time in the training when they pull out the taser, right? Have you ever had the taser? It wasn't, it wasn't invented then. See, you're lucky, okay? But I've heard stories that you got to take it. And the stories are, as soon as you get hit by the taser, you fall, to your, you, you fall down, you, you cannot control yourself. That's the picture of what is going on here. John is seeing the glory of the resurrected Jesus Christ, and he falls on his face. You know, one day, every human being that has ever been born, that has ever lived, will see the glory of God. And you know what every response will be? The same. In fact, Paul says it in Philippians. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone. You can say, oh, I'm an atheist today. When you see Jesus, you won't be an atheist anymore. You will be on your face, bowing because of his glory. And that's what John's doing here. So how does Jesus respond? John's laying down. What does Jesus do? Well, we know God, right? Look what it says next. But he laid his right hand on me. Jesus reaches down and he touches John on the shoulder. Why? Because Jesus loves John. Jesus loves everyone. And so he, he bridges the gap here. He touches him on his shoulder because he cares about him, because what he's saying to John is, I am safe. You can trust me. I'm not going to hurt you. Even though I could, I'm not going to. He touches him on the shoulder. And then what does he say next? He says, fear not. I'm the first and the last. Fear not. You don't have to be afraid of me. Because I'm good. I care about you all the time. And he goes on, verse 18, and the living one, look what he says next to John, I died. Well, of course, John knew that. John was there. He remembers the day. And Jesus reminds him and he reminds us. 
I died. But look what he says next. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. See, that's the good news. Jesus conquered death. He experienced it because you have to die in order to rise from the grave. He has the keys of death. You know, we live in a world where people are afraid to die. We resist it. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, well, let's, you know, sound like the pastor said, we should want to die. No, it's not what I'm saying. We shouldn't fear death. We don't need to. If we know the living, eternal God of the universe. Because Jesus, and this is what he says, I have the keys of death and Hades. Hades is hell. The eternal lake of fire. He's saying, I'm victorious. Look what he says next, verse 19. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen. He's doing this with John, and he tells him, I want you to write this down. Why? Because there was one book of the Bible that needed to be written, the book of Revelation. It's a revealing of Jesus Christ so that this sacred scriptures could be complete. And so John writes it down. Aren't you glad that he did? I don't know what I would be talking about this morning. It's in the Bible. Wrote it down. He's telling us about the unseen reality. That Jesus Christ is alive. He frees us from our sins because of his blood. And he speaks to us. He communicates. He talks with us. And that's exactly what he's saying. Verse 20, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels and the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Wish we had more time. But I think basically the gist, the next two chapters here, he, he gives letters to specific local churches Because one of the ways that this broken, lost world sees the living, resurrected Christ is through the local church. As we listen to God, as we follow Him, as we do what He says, as we teach the truth, as we walk it out, when we gather, but also the other hundred and whatever hours we are when we scatter at our workplaces. Because Jesus Christ is just as present wherever you'll be tomorrow morning. Well, let me go Tuesday because a lot of you are going to be sleeping, okay? Tuesday morning. He is just as present at your vocational place of work or the grocery store or the, wherever you are. He is just as present there. The question is, are we aware of his presence? Are we in tune with his presence? Are we willing to listen to what he has to say? So we're going to end uh, here by, as I mentioned, because I think the challenge here is, are we listening to the voice of God? And again, it's, I've never heard an audible voice. I, I just haven't. So if that's what you're looking for, you might be disappointed. God's voice, he speaks through this. Sometimes it's very ordinary. Sometimes he impresses something. He keeps bringing this situation or this person or this whatever, good, bad, indifferent, keeps bringing it to mind. 
That's God whispering to you. Maybe there's something you've been resistant that he keeps saying, I want you to do this. Well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'll be honest with you. First service, and, and I'm going to do a response here. I, I was afraid to do the response. I mean, there was like 20 people in here, and I'm like, all the voices inside saying, you weenie. I mean, I didn't say that. I probably shouldn't say that. Strike that. All right. I'll hear about that from my wife. That's what it felt like, though. God, you really want me to do this? You really want me to ask people to respond? <sighs> Doesn't feel real good. But I took the step. That's what we're asking you to do. Be willing to respond. Listen and, and respond to the voice of the resurrected Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be quiet. Give us a, about a minute just for us to be quiet and still. The worship team's going to come up and they're gonna, we're going to sing a song together. And then uh, after that, I'm going to come back up and give you opportunity to uh, respond with something. And so right now, just be quiet and give your full attention to the resurrected Jesus Christ.